0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, despite the clear evidence that Iran was providing Hamas with resources to attack Israel, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says the administration's top priority is cutting another
2: deal with Iran. The first thing that we need to do is put the nuclear problem back in the box. That's why we're committed to trying to see if Iran will come back into compliance with the nuclear agreement, the so-called JCPOA. That's what we're engaged in now. And then uh, use that uh, and as a platform to build on and to try to deal with uh, with these other issues.
1: That was uh, Secretary Blinken yesterday on ABC This Week. We'll talk with uh, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, the vice chair of the Republican Conference, and a member of the House Armed Services Committee in just a moment. We'll also get him to weigh in on Speaker Pelosi's announcement last week that uh, will continue to allow members of Congress to vote from their lazy boy rockers at home. What's that about? We'll talk about it later here on Washington Watch. And with the uh, Supreme Court set to take up the first major challenge to Roe v. Wade in three decades and the two major political parties on opposite ends of the spectrum on the issue, what impact might abortion have on the midterm elections? Our good friend Scott Rasmussen joins us for that conversation. And we talked about this last week, and we're going to talk about it this week. In fact, we're going to keep talking about it until parents, teachers, and policymakers rise up and say enough. And it's beginning to happen. Over the weekend, the Texas Senate passed a measure that... Once agreed upon by the House, we'll go no Abbott, will go to Governor Abbott, which will effectively stop the teaching 70. or the indoctrination of children with the critical race theory. Now, this comes on the heels of Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt signing House Bill 1775 into law on Friday that bans the divisive theory from public school classrooms. The author of that bill in Oklahoma? State Senator David David Bullard joins us later here on Washington Watch. And you know what? Even teachers in public schools are speaking out.
2: A man cannot menstruate. A man cannot lactate and breastfeed a child. You cannot give birth if you're a man. If you want to be an adult and do whatever you want with your life, I'm okay with that. Don't push this ideology on children. I'm not going to work in a district that's okay with that. You need to make a clear statement on how many genders are there because parents, are, they're, they're already pulling their kids out of public school. They're doing homeschool options. They're going online. It's going to increase as this liberal ideology comes into our schools. This isn't a political indoctrination camp. Okay, it's public education. We want to teach education, not left-wing ideas that aren't backed up by facts or science.
1: That teacher, Jonathan Copel, I talked to him uh, actually yesterday uh, in Louisiana. Well, he joins us later. He spoke out before the St. Tammany Perry School Board, and he's here to tell us what happened when he spoke out and what's happened since. So he joins us later. You won't want to miss that conversation. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. And let me encourage you once again, download the Stand Firm app. Not only does that uh, enable you to have Washington Watch right there in your pocket, no matter where you go, but more importantly, it will allow you to get alerts both at the federal level and the state level so that you can take action on such things as critical race theory, uh, these uh, crazy gender bills that are being pushed through um, at the national level. And the good news is at the state level, there are pushbacks against what's happening from the policies of the Biden administration. So go to the App Store, get the Stand Firm app, and you can be a part of defending this republic. All right, earlier today, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken departed from Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland en route to the Middle East as the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas continued to hold for the fourth day. In a statement from the White House, President Biden said Secretary Blinken will meet with Israeli leaders about his administration's ironclad commitment to Israel's security. Secretary Blinken will also continue the administration's effort to rebuild ties to and support for the Palestinian people and leaders after this is, quote, after years of neglect. In addition, he will, quote, engage other key partners in the region on reducing the risk of further conflict in the coming months, end quote. With me now to talk about the latest in the Middle East, and more is Congressman Mike Johnson. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana, and as I mentioned, he serves on the Armed Services Committee in the House. Mike, welcome to Washington Watch.
3: Hi, Tony. It's great to be with you. Appreciate being on the show as always. Well, good to have you on.
1: Uh, I know it was a busy week uh, last week in D.C., but over the weekend, more news as the uh, the ceasefire held, um, but pretty clear that the, the evidence makes it very clear that Iran was supporting Hamas in their attacks on Israel. But despite that, this administration is still determined to renegotiate and enter into a nuclear deal with Iran
3: it is really hard to wrap your mind around and you know i've been with constituents back in louisiana all weekend and they keep asking me what is the administration Thinking isn't Iran a state sponsor of terror? I mean, they are. It's the largest state sponsor. They're tied to the hip with Hamas, of course. They're funding those operations. But the Biden administration has been reluctant to call it out. They've they, they've only given a a weak repudiation of of this aggression towards Israel. And and Israel needs us to stand strong by their side now, arguably as much as ever. Uh, we we can't we we don't have this. We can't have equivocation like that. So the Republicans in Congress. Uh, have been very outspoken on this, but as you've seen, Tony, many many of our Democrat colleagues, uh, some of them have been completely silent, and the silence is deafening. Um,
1: speaking of our Democratic, uh, your Democratic colleagues, let's talk about the president. Uh, the president speaking out on uh, on Friday, once again saying that he supports the uh, security of Israel, but there's a twist to it. Uh, listen to this clip from the president on Friday. There is no shift in my commitment, the commitment to the security of Israel, period. No shift, not at all. But I tell you what there is a shift in. The shift is that we have to, we still need a two state solution. It
3: is the only answer, the only answer. Uh, Your response to that? Well, listen. Israel has a right to defend itself. This is um, outright aggression. You and I have been to the Holy Land, uh, Tony, multiple times. We know that they're surrounded on all sides by by enemies. And the two-state solution is a is a compromise that that some members of Congress and and, and most of the Democrat establishment agrees with. But you've seen even in recent days, you have. Figures on the left, like Bernie Sanders and Ilan Omar, who are openly siding with the, the Palestinians, you know, going along with their narrative that somehow their land has been stolen by Israel. Um, look, there's you're you're getting mixed messages from the administration and from the Democrat. Uh, conference in the, the Congress. And it's a dangerous thing right now. Israel needs us to stand by them. We need Israel. They're our strongest ally in the region and arguably maybe our most important ally anywhere in the world. And we cannot have the White House, the, the occupant of the Oval Office, just playing both sides of this. We, we need decisive action and we need it now.
1: You know, I it's very clear they're playing both sides of this but also they're not being truthful I think with the American people because here the president also said this uh, about the uh, about uh, President Abbas uh, listen to this clip clip two what I've made clear is that it's essential it's essential that the Palestinians in on the West Bank be secured
4: that Abbas, be recognized
1: as a leader of the Palestinian people, which he is? Well, first off, he's been, uh, you know, had an election 15 years ago, and he's still in office, even though he won't allow the people to vote again. Uh, But the reality is, it's the Palestinians that will not recognize the right of Israel to exist. So how can you have a two-state solution if you have one party... Uh, that is refusing to even agree that the other party has a right to exist.
3: Well, that's it. And and all of the allies of uh, Hamas, the Palestinians there, you know, Iran, we talked about earlier, I mean, they've openly avowed they want Israel to be wiped out. They don't want it to exist at all. So it's very difficult to have a good faith negotiation about these things to broker a, a lasting peace deal when you have the other side is just openly and in, in, in outright in this uh, a- aggression t- towards the nation of Israel. This this is look this is a very serious conflict that's been going on a very very long time, but the thing that that has kept it at bay you know, during the Trump administration, for example, was a show of strength by the United States. I mean, uh, Jim Jordan and I were there on a, on a trip uh, just a couple of weeks before the pandemic struck uh, over a, a year and a half ago, and we were with Prime Minister Netanyahu at, at the residence there, at his residence, and he was talking to us about, as he's talked to you before and many of us uh, about the importance of America being their ally, being there right over the shoulder of Israel and holding this situation at bay and keeping the peace. And, and and when you have mixed messages, when you have this kind of equivocation, it really is. I mean, this is not hyperbole. This is a dangerous situation. Uh, and, and we've got to stay on top of it.
1: Yeah, I think that is the key, especially in that region of the world. It is strength that they respect. Uh, they right. may not agree with, but they respect it. I've met with uh, other Uh, leaders in the Middle East uh, in in another capacity uh, that I serve in, and, and it is strength that they respect. My prediction is that we're going to see more unrest in the Middle East because of the equivocation of this administration and the lack of strength. I mean, their top priority, you know, global warming, re-entering the Iran nuclear deal, which actually probably some many of those rockets that were fired onto Israel were funded with the money that the Obama administration gave to Iran.
3: yes, and and you've seen they put much more emphasis. President Biden and his administration on reentering the Iran uh, nuclear deal than they have on standing strong with our with our trusted and, and true ally there, and um, you know what more can we say about it, Tony? We're pressing every lever that we can in Congress. The Republicans are 100% united on this, but our Democrat colleagues are are pushing back, and it's it's really a, a shameful and, and again just a dangerous situation.
1: Well, I I want to move to uh, to Nancy Pelosi, but just the mm-hmm. one of the last votes that you took on Friday before Congress left town for the uh, the holiday uh, week was the the vote on support for israel and your democratic colleagues voted against it
3: yes some of them did and then they went out and messaged it um again you know echoing this idea repeating the narrative of the palestinians and suggesting somehow that that our alliance with israel is uh, untoward in, in some way it, it's really it's really shocking and they're 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 getting more and more overt Uh, With their sort of anti-Israel messaging. And um, look, there's a growing element of that in the Congress. We have to be wary of it. The American people need to be to to understand that this is the the, the debate and the the battle we're having there on the floor of the U.S. House. And, um, you know, it's a very serious situation for us.
1: Well, another issue, we only got about a minute left, but that is proxy voting. The the speaker continuing to allow, even though every member of Congress is vaccinated, uh, the pandemic is on its way out, but members can still vote from their lazy boy recliners back at home.
3: It's a shameful situation. We filed a lawsuit about this, as you know. Many members, Republican members of Congress, filed a lawsuit to challenge this in court because it. I, I've argued it's blatantly unconstitutional. The the Constitution obviously anticipates that members of Congress would be there, gather together, assemble to do the work of legislating and and running the country. Uh, but but literally, that's what you have, Tony. You have members who are back at home. You know, back on the lazy boy. Some some have voted from their yachts uh no no kidding we have video of that um it is not what the founding fathers intended and it is it is uh, doing great harm to the institution hopefully we can get back to regular order but as you know nancy pelosi is using this for control and she does everything else
1: When, when when might you hear something on the lawsuit
3: well, we're we're it's in the early processes. There'll be preliminary motions. They're trying to get rid of that, of course, but we're we're not going to give up on it. I mean, there are some things you have to stand by, and ultimately the courts will have to determine this. It's a it's a very simple yeah. matter. Does it violate the Constitution or not? We think it does.
1: Yeah, and 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 it
3: sets precedent, so you got to follow it on through. Exactly. Mike
1: Johnson, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming on today.
3: Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it.
1: All right, folks, stick with, uh, stick with us. On the other side of the break, the Supreme Court announcing it's taking up the first challenge to Roe v. Wade in three decades. What in-
0: Today, moral relativism and political correctness are assaulting truth. How can the world have hope when believers themselves aren't clear on the authority of the Bible?
5: The Church of Jesus Christ always faces a tremendous
0: temptation to deviate from the Word of God. The God who speaks clearly expresses God's intent in giving us His Word, and the response
4: that is demanded of those who hear. Nobody ever encounters God and says, that was boring and irrelevant. When people say that about the Bible, it just says to me they've not encountered the God of the Bible.
6: Our faith is rooted in history, and and consequently
4: we need to use the evidence and never be afraid of it. The God who speaks is a feature length documentary
0: from the American Family Association, which could bolster your confidence in the Word of God.
5: Churches really need to see this, really need to understand what the Bible
0: actually is. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of Hope For Your Home with Jerry and Becky Drace.
4: Do you know that as a believer in Jesus, you can give off the aroma of Christ that smells sweet to others? You really can. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14.
7: Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us, diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place.
4: you know your family can have a life that gives off the fragrance of joy and peace? You really can. As Christ lives in your home, He will diffuse His fragrance all around you. It can even permeate into your neighborhood.
7: Instead of people asking, what's that awful smell? They might say, wow, that home has a beautiful aroma. It smells like a Jesus home. Learn more about the
0: ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home.
5: When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to.
8: I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken.
5: Julia was referred to a pre-born center where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life.
8: I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're gonna get through it, and it's gonna be okay.
5: Pre-born centers provide hope, love, Free ultrasounds, and the gospel in action to moms like Julia. To find out more about the ministry of preborn, visit them online at preborn.com. Again, that's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Your love can save a life.
0: Slash Bible.
1: back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Glad to have you with us. Uh, when the U.S. Supreme Court agreed last week to review Mississippi's 2018 law on abortion, it not only set the stage for the court's newly expanded conservative majority to take a shot at uh, Roe v. Wade, but it also put the abortion issue front and center ahead of the midterm elections. And my next guest says it will be very interesting to see how public opinion on the issue might change as people hear more about the case and other facets of the abortion issue that they have not been aware of. Joining me now to talk about this is pollster Scott Rasmussen. He's the publisher of scottrasmussen.com. Scott, welcome
4: back to the program. Great to be with you today.
1: A lot has happened in 30 years since the court last took up the abortion issue directly in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. I mean, you've got two political parties that are at the polar opposites on this issue, clearly. I mean, their party platform says it. Uh, You've got just in uh, the last week of April, uh, you had... uh, 28 different abortion restriction laws, pro-life measures going forward from seven different states. In the last decade, we've seen more activity on this than the entire 30 previous years combined. So what might we anticipate?
4: Well, the first thing to recognize when you talk about this in terms of the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade is a majority of voters do not know what would happen if Roe v. Wade was overturned. 30% think that abortion would be outlawed everywhere in the country. 26% simply don't know what would happen. So this is a talking point for both sides. But if this issue is taken up in a serious way by the Supreme Court, and if they hand out a major decision on the topic, I would expect people to learn a lot more about exactly what that court ruling would make. And that will have a big impact on how this plays out as a political issue.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, of course, the... The, the the left supporters of abortion say that if the court takes up roe v wade which they, they are going to take it up but that this could end abortion in the country which is really not the the result i i i don't see that happening what i see happening is that this would go back to the states and i think even the actions the states are taking many of those states putting trigger mechanisms in place that if the court does allow the states uh, to deal with this as they did at one time. Uh, they will ban it. but I, I mean, it's not going to be completely eliminated in the country. but I think it's going to allow states to uh, you know identify themselves as either pro-life or pro-abortion. And you know, if people feel that strongly about it, they can move to
4: another state. Well, that's that's it. I mean, what's the laws in New York will certainly be different than the laws in Mississippi. The laws in Idaho will look different than they look in California. Uh, This is part of the political process, and it is something that is likely to happen. But, you know, there's a, again, we talk about the court ruling and this Roe v. Wade debate. Uh, A large number of people believe that it's too easy to get an abortion in America. Uh, In fact, that is the plurality position. So the idea of tightening some restrictions is not, as people on the political left would have you believe, something that is greatly opposed by the American people. Uh, there is a desire to place some restrictions and, and let's be honest, there's also a great desire to take into account the wishes of a young woman who's in a difficult position.
1: When we talk politics and elections, we often have to focus today in a such a divided country politically
4: with about intensity. Where is the intensity on this issue? Well, the intensity on this issue is generally with the pro-life side. So, if this becomes a bigger issue, I think that helps get Republican turnout uh, a little bit stronger. We're already seeing Republicans more fired up about the midterm elections than Democrats. Uh, obviously, a very long way to go. But for many Democrats, the primary reason to turn out in 2020 was to get Donald Trump out of office. So that with that uh, removed from the equation, a lot of Democrats are saying, "Okay." So at the moment, on both the issue of abortion, the pro-life issue, and on the issue on our general politics, intensity is with the political right. Now, Supreme Court could drop a bombshell and change that, Uh, and not just on this one issue, but, but it would be, the Democrats are in a very difficult position heading into the midterms.
1: So this is one issue, but what are some of the other issues that are driving intensity for conservative voters?
4: Well, the first thing you have to recognize, COVID is the biggest issue for everybody. That's an argument. How do we get out of it? How do we make the transition back to normal? Uh, That's gonna play out in a very significant way. The question that's related to that is the US economy. For conservatives, the other big issue is concern about second amendment rights. Uh, That will also be something watched very closely. Uh, And when you talk about those issues, if you're talking about how we transition away from this pandemic back to some sense of normalcy. You talk about the economy, you talk about second amendments and you talk about pro-life issues. Uh, That is the, the, the real area, or those are the real areas of concern for conservative voters.
1: And Scott, if there was happened to be another outbreak of uh, the virus going near the election time and you saw governments cracking down again, like we saw with uh, the forced masking, the distancing, the shutdowns, that's obviously going to be a factor in the election and the intensity.
4: Right. And, you know, look, back in 2020, I am convinced that the reason that Donald Trump ended up narrowly losing the election was because he tested positive for COVID. The reason I say that, we were tracking every week. He was making progress in the polls because people were beginning to believe the pandemic was was mostly behind us. Optimism was growing about it. When the president tested positive, pessimism jumped again, and really it never recovered until Uh, January when the vaccines became available. And so, yes, anything that happens with that pandemic and the government response to it would have a huge impact on election 2022.
1: Well, Scott, I have a feeling we're going to be talking with you a lot between now and the midterm election. So uh, thanks so much for joining us today. As always, great to talk with you. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, Scott Rasmussen. Check out uh, his website. Uh, he's always got interesting things. He asks questions uh, pretty much every day and uh, does some polling on it. Scott Look, uh, the momentum is on the side of conservatives. That's why they want to discourage you. That's why you don't hear all that's happening across America in the news. The The efforts in 47 states to fix the irregularities that occurred in the elections. They don't want you to know that because then you would see that there's hope that we can fix this and move forward the same thing about my next guest they don't want you to know that state legislatures across the country are working to stop critical race theory in our classrooms we're going to talk with one of those state senator david bullard joins us next from oklahoma don't go away we're back after this
8: making the most of your money Here's Dan Celia on American Family Radio.
9: Well, as we head into a new week, I think it's going to be extremely interesting. I don't think it's going to be quite as volatile, but certainly a lot of political pressures will come down to bear on the markets, most likely. We are going to be getting an awful lot of political rhetoric, in my opinion, this week And next week, we do have some very important data coming out. We get consumer confidence numbers coming out on Tuesday. Right now, that's holding at 121.7. That was the April number. On Thursday, we are getting non-defense capital goods, things excluding aircraft, coming out for the month of April and pending home sales coming out as well. Personal income on Friday for the month of April consumer spending for the month of April. These revised numbers are gonna be extremely interesting as personal income, was up 21% last look. Spending was up 4.2%, driving a huge savings rate. We'll see if that consumer spending number picks up a little bit or everything gets adjusted, which is my guess. So consumer sentiment index, this is a final number for the month of May, that coming out at 10 o'clock on Friday. And We're not sitting real good compared to where we've been. So lots of information coming out this week that I think is going to be important to give us a real hard look at what is beginning to develop as we head into a busy summer season and start looking at the September Fed meeting and what might come to pass.
8: Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net.
1: This is washington watch good to have you with us the website tonyperkins.com if you miss anything on your way home you can check it out later it's all archived at tonyperkins.com all right i, I mentioned it's the top of the program uh last week a georgia school board voting to prohibit the teaching of critical race theory uh in that district in uh, georgia I think cherokee county uh and then i mentioned uh, oklahoma i said friday but it was actually earlier in the month Uh, The governor, Governor uh, Kevin Stitt, signed into law a bill that prohibits public schools and universities from teaching that, quote, one race or sex is inherently superior to another, end quote, and that, quote, any individual by virtue of his or her race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, end quote. With me now to talk about this new law is the author of the legislation, Oklahoma State Senator David. Buller. David, welcome to the program.
7: Yeah, no, pleasure to be here.
1: Well, uh, Oklahoma leading the way there, uh, joining the states that are addressing this issue. Why did you take this on?
7: Well, it was brought to me, the language was brought to me it was a little rough at first, but uh, the, I have long looked at this idea of indoctrination that has that just infiltrated our schools. Uh, I am a former... Uh, teacher of 15 years. I taught AP U.S. History, AP Government, the Constitution, and I taught the Constitution according to the original intent of our founding fathers, but this kind of stuff has no place in our education system from kindergarten through higher ed. It has no place.
1: Now, of course, Oklahoma being one of the reddest states in the nation, so it's not a, a reach for Oklahoma to do this, but nonetheless, Does not matter how conservative a state, I I grew up in Oklahoma, I know how conservative it is. Louisiana though is a conservative state, but the educational lobby is strong. How did they respond to this?
7: Not well. Uh, I was very disappointed in the way that the educational uh, establishment uh, responded to this. Essentially they came full circle with me. Uh, They told me that first, that this is not happening anywhere in the schools or anywhere in our universities. Then they came full circle and said, well, we need to be able to teach this in order to teach history. And then they came all the way back to basically we want to teach this. And so uh, that that really revealed a major problem that we have uh, and a need to go toe to toe with indoctrination uh, beyond what this. is. This is just the most egregious side of what we can see. There are other things happening in these schools right now that we have to go toe to toe with them uh, or it's just going to get worse and elevate from here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, David. Hold on just a second. We're going to reconnect with you. Our, our connection there is a little weak. This is a a perfect example of what states are doing across the nation, where you got state legislatures. As I mentioned Texas over the weekend. The Senate there approving a measure goes back to the House to uh, to make sure the both both bills are are the same. That's on that may all already be on the way to Governor Abbott. But what's driving this? And folks, I want you to hear this. What is driving this uh, are parents, are citizens. And so you need to speak out because you've got legislators like uh, Senator Bullard and others. And we've got them in, you know, my home state of Louisiana. Every state's got good conservatives, but they need to hear from you and they need your support as they push these measures forward because it's extremely, extremely critical that we address these issues. It's just like the the uh, the girls' sports bills, where there's states taking up the issues of prohibiting biological males from participating in girls' sports, overwhelmingly supported by the public. But of course, you've got these special interest groups that uh, advocate for this nonsense, and you have the educational establishment, for the most part, uh, filled with individuals who come from a leftist ideology uh senator um welcome back L- let me ask you this what have you heard since the law that uh, the bill you passed was signed into law
6: so we, we we've got a lot of mixed reaction what's been fascinating to me is uh, our the teachers have been the biggest ones to reach out to me and say thank you because we didn't know where else to go we didn't know what else to do uh, so th- that reaction has given me a lot of confidence that we can do it. We have also had a reaction from higher ed that has basically said, uh, we're going to kind of comply with it, but we're really not going to comply with it. So we are working right now on rules to put some teeth into this so that they have to uh, comply with this. Uh, and we've had school districts at the common ed level, at the higher, uh, at the K through 12 level, who basically have said some of the same things. We just won't comply with it. So we're, we are revamping and putting teeth to make sure that yes indeed you will comply with the law of Oklahoma that you will not indoctrinate our kids.
1: So are you going to tie it to, uh, to funding?
6: That's a difficult question. And that's an excellent question that we're looking at is, uh, do we tie it to funding or do we tie it to licensure? Uh, and I'm asking that question as we look at it right now, do we tie it to a license that says, if you're willing to teach this kind of garbage in our classrooms, I don't really think that you need to be in the classroom at all. Uh, if you're willing to allow this on your campuses, uh, I don't think that you should be here at all. So we're looking at that right now. Do we tie it to funding or do we tie it to licensure uh, at this point within our law? And I'm still looking into that. And Cinder, one th- suggestion,
1: having uh, passed similar legislation, not on the critical race there, because it wasn't an issue when I was in office, but compliance is always the big issue. Passing a law is just a fraction of the process, getting people, uh, especially educational establishments, to comply with it. You might want to put out a hotline. Where, te- where teachers, students, and parents can call to report on those schools that are teaching <clears throat> critical race theory. It'll help you out in the process.
6: Yeah, thank you. Uh, we we've looked at doing something real similar to that, uh, and that's probably something we're going to do as a parent trigger where they can engage with it for sure.
1: All right, Senator Bullard, thank you for your leadership there in the Sooner State, and thanks for coming on Washington Watch today.
6: Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I knew I could. Tell you are intelligent by being from Oklahoma, so thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Thank you, David. All right. Stick with us. One of those teachers that
1: spoke out about critical race theory in the state of Louisiana.
8: In our culture today, some believe that one's sex is assigned at birth. This belief is anti-science. Sex is always objective and observable at birth. In recent days, there has been a push against the scientific understanding of human anatomy, and it is harming the lives of the next generation. The staggering growth of transgenderism has left children vulnerable to life-altering procedures, such as puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and irreversible surgeries. These procedures should not be allowed to interrupt the development of children and irreversibly alter their bodies. Family Research Council actively recommends and supports the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, also known as the SAFE Act. This legislation would protect the vulnerable from experimental procedures that cause physiological trauma to minors dealing with gender dysphoria. To learn more about the SAFE Act and why you should support it, visit FRC.org slash SAFE Act. Hey Siri. Go ahead. Show me some Christian music streaming apps.
6: Okay, here's what i found under Christian music streaming apps.
3: Hmm, the AFR app? Isn't that talk shows only?
6: It was, until recently. Now the new music streaming option plays music 24-7.
4: Oh, wow.
6: God is good.
4: All the time.
6: And all the time.
0: God is good. Download the AFR app today
1: at AFR.net. It begins in Thee, O Lord, Do I Put My
6: Trust. He finds strength in the Lord. No wonder he said, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. He's saying, look, I don't know how long I'm going to live,
1: but every day that I'm alive, I'm going to be talking about our righteous God and his wonderful salvation. Explore the immeasurable riches of God's
0: word with Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. Weekday afternoons at 3 Central on
10: American Family Radio. The typical family saves $500 a month. You might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's healthcare costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by May 30th, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE.
1: This is washington watch i'm tony perkins your host glad to have you with us the website tonyperkins.com hey, men, let me remind you those of you in the colorado area june the 19th we'll have our next stand courageous men's conference that'll be at uh, uh, woodland park colorado at Kairos bible college that's june the 19th that's saturday Uh, Find out more, you can go to standcourageous.com or go to tonyperkins.com and follow the links over. Okay, last month, a Louisiana high school teacher, he uh, went viral in a video for exposing an online teaching tool for children called BrainPop that pushes radical ideologies and concepts like critical race theory. Now, during a meeting of the St. Tammany Perry School Board uh, on April the 8th, now, St. Tammany, it means nothing to most of you if you're not in Louisiana. Uh, We have parishes instead of counties in Louisiana, and 64 of them. St. Tammany is uh, probably one of the more affluent areas, probably one of the uh, most um, concentrated uh, population of Republicans in the state. And so uh, this teacher, Jonathan uh, Copel. He, uh, he teaches Spanish at the school. He played an audio from the app, including one in which students are told, quote, racism in our society is a built-in system of bias that makes life easier for white people and more difficult for black people and other people of color, end quote. He also noted how the app teaches kids to use incorrect grammar because some individuals' prefer they as a pronoun. Here's I played this clip at the beginning. I want to play it again in case you missed it. Uh, Here's a clip of uh, Jonathan before the school board in April.
2: A man cannot menstruate. A man cannot lactate and breastfeed a child. You cannot give birth if you're a man. If you want to be an adult and do whatever you want with your life, I'm okay with that. Don't push this ideology on children. I'm not going to work in a district that's okay with that. You need to make a clear statement on how many genders are there because parents, are they're, they're already pulling their kids out of public school. They're doing homeschool options. They're going online. It's going to increase as this liberal ideology comes into our schools. This isn't a political indoctrination camp, okay? It's public education. We want to teach education, not left-wing ideas that aren't backed up by facts or science.
1: With me now to talk about this radical indoctrination of America's children. And what can be done about it is Jonathan Kopel. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Hey, hey, good to see you again. Long time no see. Yeah, good to see you as well. Uh, all right, Jonathan. Let first. Let me just start with what's this Brain Pop? Tell us about this uh, th- this program, this app.
2: Yeah. So um, Brain Pop is a educational program. They make videos, things about photosynthesis, maybe kinetic energy. You might get a lesson on Thomas Jefferson maybe even the US Constitution. Uh, So some of their content is good. However, BrainPop is a company, and that company has their own set of beliefs. And they make videos that promote left-wing ideas, such as the critical race theory, this idea that there are an infinite amount of genders. And they promote, through their platform, they promote these videos to children. And that's not okay. Uh, Jonathan, you're a Spanish teacher.
1: and obviously, um, you know, pronouns mean a lot in Spanish. But <laughs> yes. uh, the, the the whole issue—what prompted you to go to a school board meeting? I mean, after all, I mean, you've been teaching for I think three years, mm-hmm. and that's pretty pretty bold to to step into a school board meeting and and confront this issue that you know is politically charged.
2: Yeah, so. I have been hearing about this stuff happening in California, New York, um, all over the place. I didn't realize it was happening in my own backyard. When I found out that the kids in my community were being exposed to this, what I call wokeism, woke curriculum, woke education, I said, somebody needs to expose it. Somebody needs to let the public know what's going on. And I just happened to be the guy to do it. Um, I, I just I stepped up. I said I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be silent on this. This stuff is disgusting. It's dividing kids against each other. It's dividing classrooms, and it's it's not good. It's really bad stuff. So that's that's kind of it.
1: Now, I, as I mentioned, I don't know if you heard me at the beginning. I'm about St. Tammany Parish. It's a very affluent, uh, Republican area of the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Most people probably wouldn't think this was happening
2: there. Mm-hmm. No, there's, there's a lot. Um, education is leans more towards the, the left. A lot of, a lot of things that happen, in education, very left leaning. So if you're going to find some crazy stuff in the first place you need to look is in education. And I think nobody was really looking for it. And then the people that knew about it or the people that have been exposed to it, because ever since this video is going out, I've gotten messages from parents and kids alike. I don't respond to the kids. Just, uh, it's like an ethics thing, but I've gotten messages from all kinds of people on social media platforms about leftist indoctrination happening in classrooms in my parish and all over the state of Louisiana. So this is, um, it's an issue.
1: Let's talk Jonathan about that response. First, I want to start with the, uh, the school board and the response that you received from the school board.
2: Yeah, uh, I didn't really get any response from them immediately. They're not allowed to make a comment in the moment. It's it's a law. They're not allowed to respond to people giving public comment. At first, it was pretty silent. I did hear that an elementary school in our parish has gotten rid of Brain, brain Pop. I don't know if all the elementary schools are going to do it, but one in particular, I believe it was the Beta Elementary. They sent out an email canceling Brain Pop. Uh, a private school got rid of Brain Pop. And... The one thing that I found odd was a few weeks after the meeting I attended, after the video went viral and a lot of attention was brought to St. Tammany Parish, some of the school board members actually brought forth a motion to get rid of the public's opportunity to openly address the board, to basically do what I did. They wanted to cancel that. That that to me, that was, I think, the response. Wow, uh, that
1: to me should uh, prompt some parents and concerned citizens there in st tammany to begin organizing for the next uh, school board race we did
2: uh, <laughs> it did yeah and we we showed up and we opposed it we opposed the heck out of it and 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 so i guess
1: it, it did they put that in the form of a of actual motion that they were going to try to pass
2: oh yeah oh yeah they they brought it up and then when they opened up the public comment section for that i gave my Ten cents, everybody else chimed in, and we let them know that this is America, land of the free. And uh, to suppress free speech, the little bit that we have is absolutely ridiculous. And so they they actually voted to, to limit uh, a five-minute timing to three minutes instead of completely getting rid of the public comment section.
1: All right, let's move next to how have you been... Well, let let me just put it this way. What have you heard from the school district in which you work? Have you, your principal, has anybody said anything because you addressed the school board?
2: I mean, my principal pulled me in. So I I spoke at the meeting that went viral. My principal pulled me in the very next day to kind of ask me a few questions about it, which I I didn't find as anything extremely odd. But at the same time, I was I was confused because he was asking me questions about brain pop when the school board and the superintendent should have been contacting me directly instead of trying to get my principal to fish information that they should already know. Then when I spoke out again at another meeting, I got called in immediately the very next day, the next morning. And um, I don't want to say, you know, that I I can tell what's going on, but it doesn't seem like they're too happy about what I've been doing lately because it's been bringing uh some I guess negative attention but it's attention that we need we need this attention on these issues okay what have you heard from parents oh man the parents are glad they are like well okay they're upset that this is going on but they're glad that somebody brought it out and put it in the open a lot of parents were very scared they've been marginalized and harassed other parents I found out because when I stepped out and made a public statement they approached me and said, "Hey, we've been dealing with this privately and nothing's been done." And that that was in reference to uh issues with actual individual teachers. So, they're very glad that somebody's stepping out and then now parents are starting to take initiative and parents are starting to uh speak out and do things. So, it's been it's been good. A lot of parents are very glad and appreciative. I haven't had one negative response from a parent. Now, you mentioned uh, students Emailing you, reaching out, but I know you interact with
1: students as well there at the at the campus. And you yeah. mentioned how this is divisive for students; it pits students against each other. And that's exactly what it does. How have students uh, responded to the attention to this issue?
2: Um, they were extremely excited because their teacher was in their world. They were the first people to tell me that that I went viral over this. Now, a lot of kids have come up to me and said, hey, I agree with what you said. I'm with you. Um, this is a bunch of nonsense. I have had some kids that were not happy about it, that were highly offended. But, you know, with making bold statements, you know, you are going to have people that are offended. And I just have to be, I have to, I have to treat everybody equally and be impartial because at work, you know, these political issues, I don't i don't like to bring this up at work because I'm, I'm there to do my job. So I, I try to do... I guess what you would call activism or what I'm doing, I don't even know what I would call this. I try to keep that outside the classroom as much as possible.
1: Certainly. Uh, Certainly. And that's the way I think it should be. That's what we don't want the left uh, engaging in their activism in the classroom, which is exactly what is happening in some school districts with this uh, new civics uh, training that they're doing—it's civics activism. It's—it's it's training our kids to be liberal activists. But but I want to I want to move beyond this particular issue, Jonathan, to the to the fact that you're uh, you're a Christian. I, think I can say that uh, you and I have had conversations, and and I think you're a perfect example of what Christians should be doing in the public education sphere. I, I believe Christians should should pursue teaching and go into the. Uh, classroom you know not to uh, proselytize but to be a light in the darkness and when you see those things that are not right be able to as you have within your rights as a citizen of the state of louisiana to yeah. speak out about them and uh, you know i wonder are there other teachers young men and women like yourself going that that you work with or going to the profession that have the same worldview?
2: Well, I've had a lot of people come to me in private and thank me in private or tell me that, you know, they agree with me if if I need any help or support. You know, they've got my back if anything goes down or if we want to do another uh, show up at the at the meeting and bring something else up that they're all in. Um, I feel that a lot of people do share my views and a lot of people do share what I would call conservative views or Judeo-Christian values but they're scared to death. They are literally scared and they are paralyzed by fear because they're concerned about losing their jobs, losing their family, losing their friends over making these statements. So what would you say to them? You gotta stop being scared. You can't, you cannot be scared. If, we, if we're if we gonna live in fear, you might as well go move out into the woods or go live on an island somewhere. Um, we need bold people especially if you're a christian the righteous are supposed to be you know bold as a lion how can you be a christian and live in fear you got to stop that that's not of god god didn't give you that spirit you got to stop it i mean that's that's all i can say be bold don't be afraid step out there's more for you than against you and that's exactly what i've seen all right jonathan uh just a couple of minutes left I, I i want to i want you to speak i mean you're as i said
1: you've been teaching for three years you teach spanish Um, What would you say to young people that are contemplating going into education, but they're concerned about the the very stuff we're talking about, the indoctrination that takes place in the classroom and even in the process to become a teacher, what you have to go through. uh, What would you say to, and I'm talking only to to the believers, uh, to, to Christian young men and women who want to impart knowledge and understanding to to others that are concerned about the educational environment in america today what would you tell them
2: i mean if we're supposed to be salt and light in a city on a hill are you going to start covering your light are you going to start um not being salty to the world i mean we have to infiltrate every area of life okay from politics education hollywood business uh, you name it. We can't just be limited to being an influence inside of our churches and inside of our um, church community. The world needs us. So, it, you know, if you're going into education, you got to realize you may be the only one like you, but that's a good thing because now there's light in a dark area and and you don't know what God can do. Um, I never would have thought. I never would have thought that this would have happened with me and that God would have opened up every door he has and used me. For the things he's used me uh, with recently I, I never would have imagined that I mean it, it's truly remarkable and quite miraculous it's very supernatural because this this is not something I planned I didn't think it would happen but because I was just simply doing my job and being a Christian at the same time God was able to use me and, and so you know he, he can use anybody well and it takes courage and here's here's the thing that the opponents do not like
1: is courage breeds courage. And when you stand up and you speak as one before you know it, you have a whole choir that yeah. are speaking up. So look, stick close to us because uh, no, no doubt there's going to be more incoming uh, because people want to silence you. But uh, you got a platform here. Anytime you want to come on and talk, let me know. We're happy to have you on. Thanks for standing boldly yeah. and courageously and speaking up for the youth of America.
2: Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Jonathan Copel, Copel. If you find out more, go to the website, Tonyperkins.com. And uh yeah, what an encouraging story. And we need more young men and women like Jonathan willing to uh, to stand boldly and courageously in the culture. And parents, look, time to push back on this nonsense. All right. Out of time for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you have prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: also to leave a comment about washington watch call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234 that's 1-866
8: the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the american family association or american family radio